Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Things are going to start happening to me now. The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, Feb 8, 2022, and this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, how you doing? My name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello. <laughs> Where the hell are you, Rachel? By the way, seven weeks. How are we going to survive? Seven weeks. Day 385 of the Biden-Harris administration. Twitter, 73 days until the 22 midterms. I'm on Instagram, the Bob Seska. Twitter, Bob Seska underscore go. And right over there, it's Buzz Burbank. You say Buzz Burbank. Buzz. You said it all. Hello there. For the, for the last time, yes, I brought back all 15 boxes. Okay? I took home some stuff from the show, you know? Hi, everybody. Hi. He's Bob. I'm Buzz. And we would have been here sooner, but we got stuck behind some truckers. <laughs> Oh See, I had such faith in Canadians, and that shot, shot. Sorry, Canada. <laughs> we they're very polite, however. Yes, uh, we we have great news to announce uh, about the show today. Uh, we we now lead in the podcasting competition with five gold medals. <laughs> uh, always uh, stick the landing, don't we? Sorry, sorry about the bronze. <laughs> so I'm flipping channels. Do you ever do that? Do you ever just flip through the channels? I do. I think a lot of people do that. <laughs> so I'm flipping through the channels, and I came across I came across one of those mixed martial arts fights. Uh-huh. And, and I was surprised uh, to hear them introduce these MMA fighters as ordinary citizens engaged in legitimate political discourse. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't expect. <laughs> uh, the uh, the January sixth committee is looking into this now. Uh, Donald Trump has reportedly been offering pardons to anyone who'll be his Valentine. I, <laughs> just sad, isn't it? Yes. Not so sad. sad. Uh, we we now know that uh, Trump tore up documents all through his presidency. Yeah. Uh, uh, so the question now is, what did the president tear, and when did he tear it? <laughs> He ate some of those documents, too. He, he ate I them. I, I broke that. I told you yeah. all that this last week on this show. Yes, you did. That's why I'm here. <laughs> uh, I, was, I, was getting, I was getting really worried, uh, too, uh, watching TV about the number of Nazis I've been seeing on, on TV lately. Yeah. Uh, but then I realized some of that was Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> Black and white should have tipped me off. Yeah, but. right, right. Uh, it's tax time, of course, and uh, here's today's tax tip. Uh, the IRS says you are allowed to deduct 
whatever you paid for Joe Manchin. More fun, more music, the Bob Seska Show. Hello, <laughs> I'm Mr. Democracy is Dead. Discourse is discourse, of course, of course, and violence is never discourse, of course. That is, of course, unless the discourse is January 6th. Go right to the source, those RNC whores. They're taking pills made for a horse, of course. They struck out on a brand new course on January 6th. People crashing through windows and they're rioting all day. But they would have us all think it was a spirit of lively debate. Discourse is discourse, of course, of course, and busting heads isn't discourse, of course. You never heard of violent discourse? <laughs> well, listen to this. I'd like to punch him in the face, I'll tell you. Knock the crap out of him, would you? Seriously. Rocky Mountain Mike, Rocky MMTN Mike on Twitter. Yeah, how hard it was to sing "Discourse is Discourse." That's uh, yeah, who that's knows? right. At, I, at that speed, yeah, yeah. Sorry for anyone who was born after like 1970 who doesn't understand that one. But it was a show called Mr. Ed, and it was about was a on, talking talking right, horse. Yeah. It was on right after Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> By the way, all those jokes into the burn bag. <laughs> So, legitimate political discourse. Yeah. Ordinary citizens engaged in legitimate political discourse. Those were the exact words. Right. We've been talking about this uh, Republican resolution to censure Adam Kinzinger and uh, Liz Cheney. Right. Not only is this starting to divide the Republican Party, but one of the funniest aspects of this censure and the language here where they refer to January 6th as legitimate political discourse, <laughs> it's right there in the text. I mean, you can yes. read the entire whereas paragraph. It's at the bottom mm-hmm. of page one, and it's very self-explanatory, talking about how they're persecuting ordinary citizens who are engaging in legitimate political discourse. But sure, um, what's funny about this is how Ronna McDaniel and the RNC were just like, nuh-uh, no, we didn't say legitimate political discourse. What are you talking about? It's right there. It's right. It's Oh, my God, it's right there. More, more gaslighting. <laughs> it's right. Yes, exactly. One of the many things that's making me go. You want to do so. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty hard to fight. Yeah, the things that you see are apparently not really there. The things that you read, apparently not really there. They, they gaslight yeah. like, like literally everything. Yeah, they, absolutely. You, you say one thing, they'll say the opposite. Um, normalizing a, an invasion, a violent invasion and occupation of Congress by calling it legitimate political discourse. God. I'm telling you, and this, this is not necessarily changing the subject, but... The Republican, I think some of the biggest screechers on the Republican side, I think they're going to be blurting the N-word by the end of the year. I think that's one of the things they're going to add to their repertoire <laughs> at this Coming point. soon. I mean, yeah, calling a violent invasion and occupation of Congress legitimate political discourse. I mean, they're absolutely on path to opening up the door to all kinds of uh-huh. other madness and that and will now be on the a, table. Yeah, They're talking to and for a base that believes that. Mm-hmm. You know, they, there are people, millions, uh, who believe that, that statement. Yeah. And uh, that's what we're up against. Yeah, in addition to denying that it's even there, 
they're also saying that all at once they're saying that oh well this is mostly antifa and i guess fbi agents masquerading as trump supporters who invaded Same old invaded stuff. the capital yeah and incited this crowd to do what it did and at the same time it's uh, just ordinary citizens engaging in political discourse it's obvious why they've completely lost their spadoinkle because I think the supporters of the Republican Party, Republican voters, Trump supporters, they're hearing these conflicting messages all the time, sometimes within the same paragraph. If You're talking about Donald Trump. They're seeing them on the GOP Twitter feed. They're seeing them being uh, tweeted out, being published by Ronna McDaniel, who's the, the chair of the RNC. Right. They're seeing all of these conflicting things happening. And they don't know how to square any of it. Yeah, the wheels are definitely coming off. And that's one of three things that keep me afloat right now in these dark times. And and you and I and probably a good percentage of the people listening to us right now mm-hmm. are, are in a pretty dark place when we look around and we, we yeah. see what we've learned and that sort of thing. Here's what's keeping me afloat. Maybe this will help other people, too. Okay. Uh, the fact that the, the, the investigations are going so well, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah. Should there be more? Should it be faster? Absolutely. But... They're getting a lot already. I'm really pleased. And like I said, there's a great show coming this summer mm-hmm. that could help us really in the uh, in the election this fall. So yeah. that's that's one thing. The other thing is, as you mentioned, they're eating each other alive. Yeah, they are. And uh, that works to our advantage. And as we mentioned on a previous show, uh, and, and this uh, I've seen this backed up uh, many times, uh, we a- actually have made some gains as Democrats in terms of uh, the gerrymandering that oh, goes yeah. on in this yeah. country. Yeah. So between these three things and—, and you know, the the RNC shooting itself in the foot with uh, legitimate political discourse comments. I, I think uh, th- these are the things that give me hope yeah. uh, in, in what are otherwise uh, seemingly hopeless times. <laughs> yeah, were you about to say fucked up? It sounded like no. you were going to go there. I, saw, I heard the extended... No, f- no that's uh, just my, my stuttering. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, um, that's all on the upside. And really... This midterm election coming up is the Democrats to lose because the, I mean everything. Oh, don't is, put it that way. Please well, no, don't no, put it that well, way. Well, what I mean is, what I mean is, the Democrats need I to know, turn out, and if Democrats I don't know. turn out, if Democrats don't bring the energy to the volunteerism right. to getting out the vote, to turning out on election day, to doing the mail-in uh, voting and yeah. everything. Then that's why we're going to lose this. We're going to lose we, this because we didn't turn out well enough. And yeah, there are certain impediments when it comes to voter suppression laws and so on, but that's not across the country. There are no voter suppression laws in California or New York or places like that where we can really run up the score. And when it comes right down to it, what we're really talking about here, at least on the House side, is just re-electing everyone who's already there. I mean, there are some resignations and so on, but yeah, I mean, but you vote for whoever the Democrat is taking the place of the person who's not running again. So suffice to say, this is all just about taking off boxes for familiar names. Whoever your congressperson is, just reelect them because they deserve, first of all, they deserve to be reelected. Why? Because they've passed everything that we've wanted this year, plus they've impeached Donald Trump twice this Congress. That's what they've done. Nancy Pelosi has managed to do something that no other speaker has ever, ever done. Impeached a president successfully twice. Twice. So, And then you add on top of that all the legislative achievements that while, yes, they're roadblocked in the Senate, they've still been passed through the House. So why punish your House member for something that 
Kirsten Cinema did or something that Joe Manchin did or something that because, uh, because yes. gas prices are high and there's they, we hear it inflation is bad and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that's that's the kind of stuff that's that's going to actually hurt us. Yeah. I, to put it more positively, <laughs> rather than to say this is ours to lose, I would say we've got this yeah. if we show up. But, but again, it's it's up to us. It's not right. going to be one of those things where we're going to go out and we're going to hustle and we're going to bring everything we've got and we're just going to be out hustled and outnumbered. That ultimately, if we bring the numbers as we saw in 2020 with 82 million people voting for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, we bring the same energy, we bring the same numbers, then we're going to expand our numbers in the Senate. We're going to at least preserve our majority in the House of Representatives. We're going to win back some state legislatures that fell to the Republicans by narrow, narrow margins. And we need, as we said before, we need to motivate the people who are not paying attention. We're all paying attention, you and I and the people listening to us. I think we're fine. We've got this, but we need more numbers. And Mm -hmm. what we're dealing with, even on the Democratic side, are people who are just not motivated. They're cranky. They're not happy. Uh, uh, the, the pandemic uh, has made them cranky. Uh, yep. the, the reports of inflation and the inflation that's resulted from the pandemic and the shortages that are resulted from the pandemic and the, the higher gas prices, uh, these these things can really hurt us. Uh, so this is the crowd we're talking to. This is the crowd we have to get fired up uh, to save democracy. And if we're not doing that, what the hell is it we're even doing? I mean, bear in mind right. that there are two choices. You got the Republican and you got the Democrat. Republicans, we know what they stand for. They stand for fascism. They stand for authoritarianism. They stand for idiocracy. And that's the sort of thing that we we push back against. The Democrats, yeah, they may not float your boat on every single last thing, but they're going to block the fascism. That's a big fucking deal. If you can't recognize that blocking fascism is a severe an urgent national emergency, That's, a, a yeah. call for every voter to step up and do their duty to American democracy. Okay. That's the point. That's maybe the goal. You can, maybe you can help me out here. So uh, I approach uh, one of these uh, less involved voters who I think will vote Democrat, but yeah. they're, they're just they're not paying attention. They're fed up and they're not happy about the inflation and the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if I start uh, even talking in a normal voice about fascism, which is a real hot button word, <laughs> yeah. there's a fair chance that person will think I'm insane. What's the best way to explain to them what's happening here? I mean, it strikes me as perhaps we should be saying things like they're taking away your right to vote. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's something uh, people can wrap their heads around a little more and find less extreme sounding. Uh, I mean, yes, it is what it is. It's fascism, to be sure. You and I know that, and the people listening know that. But the person we're trying to talk to not only doesn't know that, because they haven't been paying attention, but they find that sort of claim rather extreme. I guess my approach is never quite to uh, to candy coat it too much, um, and maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe I'm not. Well, if you want to win, if you want to win people who, like I said, so many of us not paying attention, yeah, uh, yeah. in this country, and that includes on the side of folks who would tend to vote Democratic. Yeah, um, they're they're a little fed up with things, and we have to sell this to them without sounding crazy. You can make mm-hmm. a a pretty solid policy based argument in favor of turning out 
in droves for uh, sure. you know reelecting your Democratic member of Congress, and Absolutely. and that can be based on well, look at what they've passed. I think uh, you start out, I think, in any conversation by reminding whoever it is you're talking to who their member of Congress is in the first place, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. a lot of us don't know. But yeah, no, I mean, I think our ideals are correct. I think I think our concerns are absolutely on target. I, I just know that so many people are not paying attention, not caring and feeling grumpy that uh, we've got a job in, in trying to get them to vote because that's what we really need. Yeah. And I think you've outlined some good ways there. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know to, to the degree that we we must. I will have to keep some of that fascism stuff to ourselves and, and those in the know. Uh, those we can talk to, certainly. But I think if you were just to stop people on the street, uh, this would be a tough sell. There's a way you can construct the fascism argument that isn't like, uh, oh, my God, the sky is falling. Everybody run for the bomb shelters. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. what you do is in order to sell that, you discuss some of the more fascistic things that have been exactly, uh, exactly. that have been executed by this Republican Party, by the Republican leadership right. over the past uh, five, six years, and and that can be. I mean, you don't have and to that's, say, that's, "Oh God, it's fascism." You can say all the different things that compose exactly, Bob. Yeah. Exactly, and I think this is an important message for our audience and for everyone. Is uh, it's one thing to just scream fascism on Twitter or whatever. It's quite another thing to explain exactly what you mean. And and I think in order to sell this uh, very important uh, notion uh, that, that we have to uh, put it in uh, very small words and very simple ideas yeah. to to get across what's what's happening here and to maybe lead them up to to fascism, uh, it just seems like a. Uh, like I said, I don't want them to think I'm crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I want them. I want them to, to see some credibility in my argument. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, in my experience, I found too that Democrats tend to vote uh, based on um, a pretty even, Stephen combination of things that they're for and things that they're against. Mm-hmm. And that. Yeah. yeah, and and the key is to not make it too lopsided one way or another, which is one of the reasons why I go with this two pronged approach, and uh, you know, making sure to note. That all of those things in the House of Representatives that have been passed by Nancy Pelosi and the uh, House Democrats have been running into this thin, if non-existent, uh, situation in the Senate where mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. 50-50. We got Kamala Harris, which means 51, but it's not always that way because Manchin and Cinema. And what right. we need to do in order to get some of those House things passed through the Senate is we need to expand our majority in the Senate as well. I think this whole conversation is a service to people because <laughs> I do see folks uh, on Twitter uh, pointing out fascism, uh, using that word, and I just worry that people are going to think they're crazy too. You and I know they're not, but but I, I like what you've explained in terms of how to get that uh, idea yeah. across. And yeah. that's really what I was looking for uh, is to help people, including myself, find ways to, you know, get these ideas across. Right. Because so many people are not paying attention or are simply disgusted and tuned out. Yeah. The best thing to do is just read the room. I mean, sometimes it, yeah. It, yeah. It, sometimes yeah. it works to just blurt exactly what it is, which yeah. is fascist authoritarianism, <laughs> fascist right. idiocracy, whatever you want to call right. it. Right. Right. Uh, in other cases, you you got to kind of come at it through the back door and, and mention some of the things that compose mm-hmm. the fascism things. that has been quite evident over observing the uh, uh, Trump Republican Party for the last six years. Uh, if, if not the last 40 years where uh, Reagan brought about this marriage between the Republican Party and conservative evangelicalism, and that's kind of 
the source of everything that we're witnessing right now uh, with the current Republican Party. What we're talking about is this uh, hybrid. It's a human-animal hybrid. It's a chimera of <laughs> fascism, uh, theocracy, and, yes. uh, and, and misogyny, and racism, and all these things being uh, you know, boiled in together. And uh, it's just a it's just a mess. And so uh, ultimately, just read the room, figure out what the uh, you know, if you're talking to this hypothetical person that's unconvinced that may want to stay home or whatever like that, figure out what they're all about and approach it that way. Just choose the best route. You've got several avenues to get them energized. And, and that's yep. uh, that's how you go about doing that. So, yeah, well, and I apologize for getting us off track. But I think that, like I said, that was an important thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Even if we're not volunteering, even if we're not door knocking and so on, uh, phone banking and, and all the rest of it certainly we're discussing these things on the internet all the time and uh now now is where my disillusionment comes in because the discourse on the internet is more effed up than i've seen it in a long long time so uh here we are um with this done with COVID nonsense, continuing to be a thing, continuing to uh, make its way into the hearts and minds of uh, of a lot of us. And you know what? Ultimately, I will confess that it's a very easy sell because we're all sick of COVID. I think we've been talking about this for a while now, and I always right. try to preface the fact that I want this to be over just as much as everyone else. I want the protocols to end. I want to get back to normal. I want to get back to some form of 2019 normalcy just as much as anyone else. I'm just not willing to pretend to make believe that it's over. And it seems as though the Bill Maher side of this debate is gaining a lot of ground. I mean, let's put it this way. I hope... (laughs) Before we even get into this, I hope that I'm way, way wrong about all of this, that people like Bill Maher, people like Tom Nichols, the people who are pushing for this make-believe-it's-over nonsense, uh, I hope that they're right. I hope it is on the out. I I hope that COVID is becoming a nothing situation and that we can go back to normal i just don't think it is from the experts i've talked to myself Mm -hmm. the uh, numbers that i'm looking at it doesn't seem like it's anywhere close to being over just yet i mean there is this element buzz that the omicron wave is dying down Mm-hmm. At the last check, cases down fifty percent. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. At last check, we're at about the same level as the peak from the winter of twenty 2020 twenty into twenty twenty one. That's nice. Yeah. So <laughs> at least there's there's that. So I guess a, a man- manageable mass casualty event. Then. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. So uh, on. on I, yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I agree with everything you've said there. Uh, let me share some numbers with you. To, to, I kind of Maybe this helps. And, and that frustration you were expressing is exactly what I'm feeling, which is uh, not knowing which way to turn, really. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, like you, I'm reading experts who say, no, 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 this isn't over. We shouldn't be doing this. Mm-hmm. The CDC says, no, kids should still be masking in schools regardless of the community's vaccination status. Uh, but that's not the way it's going, is it? You know, we've got yeah. uh, half a dozen dozen states now that have, that are opening up again and and uh, dropping dropping those uh, mandates uh the, you know so i'm just as concerned but i'm also reading experts who say no it's fine you know we've got you know the vaccination level and the exposure level is good enough now that uh, we should be okay and this thing's fading out anyway and it's hard for me to know 
really almost what to believe at this point. You know, uh, I'm no longer listening to scientists versus crackpots. Now, here on the left, I'm listening to scientists versus scientists in many cases. Here are the numbers on how people feel. The Washington Post had an article this week called COVID Isn't Gone. Okay. Americans are moving on anyway. Here are their numbers. In a January Monmouth poll, 28% of Americans said the country would never get the outbreak under control and return to normal. Mm -hmm. That figure is up 9% from March of 21. An Axios-Ipsos poll taken about the same time found that 61% of us believe the vaccine allowed them to return to something like their pre-COVID routine. A KFF poll found that 77% of Americans believe most people will inevitably develop COVID-19 anyway, a sentiment that crosses party lines now. Mm-hmm. And polling during the pandemic is volatile, they point out, uh, but uh, it, it t- because it tends to reflect the state of the pandemic at the moment. But experts said we should not be surprised if these sentiments are growing. So if if those numbers give us any idea where the public is on this, uh, we're vastly outnumbered in our beliefs. God, I hope you're wrong on this. But you know what? I feel like the train has left the station, hasn't it? I don't want to be. I don't think any of us wants to be. That uh, Japanese soldier who doesn't know that World War II is over and that his side lost. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be yeah. that guy. Uh, and and we are vastly outnumbered. And, and I think we have to keep fighting the fight. As I said yesterday on Twitter, I think we have to keep trying. Mm-hmm. But I feel uh, pretty hopeless when it comes to changing any minds or making any progress in this area. We are... Like I said, vastly outnumbered. And I've made a choice uh, for my own purposes, certainly for the purposes of this show, that while uh, I am immensely frustrated in terms uh-huh. of dealing with this uh, this delusion, it seems like a mass delusion. Yeah, yeah, let's just, yeah, let's just yeah. pretend it's over. I was playing this sound all the time last week. La, 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 la. I am not listening. La, 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 la. Yeah, and as I'm hearing that, yeah. I'm going, how... How do we even fight back against something that is so uh, counterfactual and dangerous? And I, and sometimes I feel like, well, maybe I should just shut the fuck up about it. If this is where, where everyone's going, fine. But at the same time, I don't believe that. I don't believe this is over. I don't believe it's safe enough to just why. end all mandates everywhere and go back to some sort of normal life. Because as you said, first of all, we don't know how this virus is going to behave. And then once you say that we're ending all protocols and you eliminate all protocols, re-implementing those protocols is going to have diminishing returns because it's really, really hard to get your freedom, to, in a sense, and then to have to return to something like that. It's like I was talking when I was talking to David on Thursday. I said something to the effect of, it's like after you graduate from school, and then several years later, you have to take a class again. To reignite that ignition is really challenging. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. Here's where I think, I mean, I feel uh, that that's, I feel this battle's lost. That doesn't mean, so here's, here's how I'm going to approach that yeah. reality. And that is, uh, I'm going to keep speaking my truth. I'm going to keep wearing a mask and I'm going to keep getting vaccines. You you do you because obviously you're going to anyway. Uh, but but I, I you know I I just we I feel so terribly outnumbered. There's that stuttering. Yeah. I feel so terribly outnumbered uh, numbered uh, that I it it feels like we're fighting a losing battle I here. Know. Uh, they, yeah. the society has decided where it's going to go, right, wrong, or indifferent. 
Well, here's some good news along those lines, and this at least this made me feel a little better. It made me feel a little less, uh, you know, like that Japanese soldier on the abandoned <laughs> island not knowing right. World War II is over. Uh, Michael, Michael Hiltzik from the L.A. Times uh, wrote a piece in the paper today, and it was titled, uh, These Pundits and Polls Say They're Done With COVID. And when does this sound familiar? But COVID's not done with us. It says the headline. Yeah. He will be on this show tomorrow. We're going to talk about all of this. Superb. Michael Hiltzik wrote. It's an excellent piece. If you've got a subscription to the LA Times, I urge you to read this article because it covers a lot of things that push back successfully against people like Bill Maher and, in fact, specifically calls him out for cherry-picking the data, which is absolutely true. I want to talk about some of those ways, some of those uh, debunkings in Hiltzik's piece uh, here in, in just a second. Uh, and, it's, and that includes some of my own because uh, the setup for all of this is that Mar did another segment about this. Uh, I think it was his uh, New Rules segment uh, Friday night. And it, it again, more I, what I would consider to be disinformation, more cherry-picking of information, all under the guise of how ridiculous is this that you people are being safe? Yeah, <laughs> That's what it ultimately boils down to. How dare you acknowledge the fact that thousands of people are dying every day, that uh, ICUs are overrun, hospital beds are being used up, especially during some of these spikes, and uh, and that's preventing we, people yeah, without COVID yeah. from getting medical treatment uh, on down the line. All of the ramifications of this. And, and just to COVID, we're losing, as you said, 2,500 people every day. Yeah. 2,500 people every day, and we're okay with that? Yeah, it's just staggering to me. And again, it's making me feel like like I, I'm I've completely lost my mind. <laughs> I was having such a hard time interpreting why this is happening. Yes, I understand. We're all sick of it. I, I, I keep repeating, we're all so fucking sick of COVID and sick of the rules. That's a fact. But we can't stop the pandemic. We can't stop the virus. In fact, stopping the protocols now... It's only going to make the virus worse. It's only going to guarantee that we're going to get more variants. Bob, yeah, I'm tired of putting on a seatbelt. I'm, I'm just not going to. I can't do it anymore. I'm, I I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of looking both ways before crossing the street. That is so over. I know. I, the last two years, two years now, I've been looking both ways before crossing the street. I'm done. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more right after we talk about The Shadow Docket. Today's show is brought to you by The Shadow Docket Bonus Show on our Patreon page. The Bob Seska Show, of course, is almost entirely fueled by our Patreon subscribers, and we couldn't do four-plus shows a week without your generous financial support. If you dig what you hear, please consider signing up for our Shadow Docket Bonus Show every Tuesday and Thursday for just five bucks per month. It used to be called The Postmortem Show, but with the support of our existing subscribers, we changed the name to The Shadow Docket. Same show same exclusive content but an all new name again that's five dollars per month at bobseskashow.com or patreon.com slash bobseskashow thank you delve into the shadows of the mind with sleeping dogs a gripping murder mystery starring academy award winner russell crowe now available on digital crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital.
That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Bob Seska! Birds song called Just So You Know, TheMetalBirds.com. Uh, y in, in the word birds. But. Bob. B Y R D S. Yeah. Bob, you yes. didn't tell me they'd be rock and roll babes. <laughs> yeah, I love the Metal Birds. Uh, second right. month in a row, we feature the Metal Birds here on the show. And it's their, their brand new single. Uh, holy shit. Uh, rocketing up the indie charts. So thanks to them for uh, for sharing their music if, with us. Bob Seska. Yeah. I'm sorry, if you, but if you want to know where the rock music went, it, it, there it is, right there. It's still around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm so glad to hear that too. Uh, and you know, there was a guest on SNL, a musical guest, a couple of weeks uh-huh, ago. That uh-huh. was a like I a four four piece rock band. I forget the name of the band, yeah. but it was nice to see that with a guitar, bass, drums, singer. Yeah, that's the way great. it should be. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, so uh, Hiltzik wrote this piece in the L.A. Times. I was really excited to see this because it made me feel a little less like I was uh, standing on a, on a mountaintop going, Hello? Anyone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, I, well, you know what? I, I, I say that. I'm exaggerating because I, I feel better, Buzz, because, you know what? Ultimately, we got Howard Stern on our Howard is, yes. is right at the vanguard of all of this. And so as long as Howard is pushing back against some of this nonsense, obviously the anti-vaxxers, I, the mask shirkers and all the rest of it. As long I as wish he's he were getting, it, yeah. yeah, I wish he were getting more attention than Joe Rogan at this point. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You know, Jesus. We're listening to the wrong guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I said, I, I hope I'm way, way wrong about all of it. I don't think well, I no. am, though. Uh, based mm-hmm. on past experience, certainly back in August... Uh, looking at the numbers, it occurred to me that, oh yeah, we're going to see a gigantic spike this winter that's going to make the previous spike look like a speed bump. And sure enough, we did. We absolutely did, uh, sadly enough. Yeah, and you remember that story I mentioned last week about the deer? It's in the deer. The yeah. terrifying story is a deer have it now. Yeah. Uh, there are 30 million uh, white-tailed deer in this country. They're in your mm-hmm. backyards. They're everywhere. Yeah. And uh, about 60% of them at last check had the COVID virus, yeah, uh, which means it can, uh, you know, uh, bubble in them uh, for a few years and then come back, jump back to humans again. Uh, and there is a lot of deer human contact there, you know, and <laughs> so it, 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 you know, this, I, I don't know, we, we could be stuck with this or some form of it forever, or it could be becoming something very mild and, you know, we just don't know where it's going, but yeah. it's certainly no time to be careless. I agree with you on that. <laughs> deer human contact may be a little yeah. nauseous. You ever try to put masks on 30 million deer? <laughs> and they won't social distance. Oh, God. So, you know, one of the things Bill Maher has been saying on his show is God. that states that have no restrictions and states that have masking and vaccine mandates have right. relatively the same death rate. So showing that having no restrictions is fine. That's the point of it. But 
Hiltzik covers this in his L.A. Times piece today and makes sure to note that not only is this cherry-picking the data, it's just flat wrong. The way this worked, let's say, with West Virginia, which has no restrictions, and Massachusetts, which has masking and so on, one of the comparisons that Bill Maher brought up, Massachusetts had a huge spike early on, like in early 2020 when this first started massive situation with uh, with COVID infections. And that elevated its death rate, obviously. Uh, but if you look at the death rate in the post or in the Delta and post-Delta period, mm-hmm. counting from July 1st, 2021, the death rate per 100,000 in Massachusetts has been 64.5. In West Virginia, 164.2. There you go. So Bill Maher, wrong about that. Mm -hmm. The teen or youth suicide situation, that has been debunked by experts. Mm -hmm. When kids are off from school during the summer, the, the teen, the youth suicide rate goes down. So the idea that because kids are at home studying over the computer instead of in a classroom that they're committing suicide or they're uh, performing self-harm and things like that, that's a correlation without causation is what they sometimes call it. Right. I'll bet that was also true before the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and the conclusion, of course, is school causes suicide. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, when I saw Mar go off on this again the other day, uh, Friday night, I I couldn't help but to go through some of the points here. Uh, first of all, school masking. He's talking about school masking and how this is, again, this is the Republican trope. This is the anti-vax mask shirker trope that it's somehow torture to the students. More Democrats are saying this, too. Yeah. But what, the other thing is that uh, the, the kids aren't dying of COVID, so why are we making them wear masks? Well, the thing is, it's not about necessarily protecting the kids, although that's a, a side benefit. The point is to reduce community transmission. Right. Keeping it lower than it would otherwise be. And studies. Complicated for most American brains. Yeah, yeah. And I referenced uh, several studies reported by the CDC recently showing that it absolutely does work. Shows Mm -hmm. here one study uh, in particular from Arizona revealed that schools in two of the state's most populous counties were 3.5 times more likely to have COVID 19 outbreaks if they did not have a mask requirement at the start of school compared with schools that required universal masking on day one. Another report found that during the two weeks following the start of school, the average change in pediatric COVID-19 case rates was lower among counties with school mask requirements compared with counties without school mask requirements. And then one of the the canards that Bill Maher plays with, I know a lot of people do, is this idea that death is the end-all be-all of why we should or shouldn't do these things. And it's not just death. I mean, death is obviously the most serious consequence of this, but there are other serious consequences of testing oh, yeah. positive for COVID, of being infected with COVID. Being Which Americans have also forgotten, right, yeah. and the long-term effects. You miss work, you uh, fall behind on your uh, rent payments, you're, you know, there are, all, there are myriad downsides to, to having co- long COVID, uh, side effects that reach into the, uh, the distant future, whether it's dementia issues or whatever they're discovering. This is a novel virus. We don't know what the hell this is doing in the long run to us, but we have some ideas. And that makes it worthwhile to maybe have some preventative measures, to maybe err on the side of safety instead of the side of irresponsibility and recklessness. So getting back to things here. 
the lockdowns. He talked about how the lockdowns didn't work. He referenced a study. Uh, oh, the lockdowns didn't work. So why are we doing lock? Well, first of all, there aren't any lockdowns anymore. There was lockdowns in uh, April of 2020. We haven't had any lockdowns since Liberate Michigan and all that shit. And in fact, that's why the lockdowns didn't work. Because we reopened too soon. That's why we have variants. That's why people yeah. are still dying. That's why yeah. deer have it. And then he said, he was talking about, well, Joe Biden uh, back in July said, if you get vaccinated, you're not going to get the virus. Once again, a, a nitpick here. Uh, yeah. Maybe Biden should have said, you won't get it if you're vaccinated unless the unvaxxed create harsher variants, then you'll have a minuscule risk of getting mild illness. I mean, he was saying essentially your chances of getting COVID if you're vaccinated are extremely, extremely low. That's what and he should then, have said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they're setting an example. They're, tr they're trying to get people to do certain things by uh, not only convincing them verbally, but also showing how you should behave when it comes to masking and so on. And, and that's part of it, too. Uh, but suffice to say, to say, well, Joe Biden promised that it wasn't going to you weren't going to get COVID. Yeah, but I mean, so few people get right. COVID. And, and how is Joe Biden supposed to know that um, the American people, at least half of them, are suicidal when it comes to dealing with a pandemic? They just don't care. So, uh, you know, maybe he should have taken that into consideration, that we mm -hmm. would have this gigantic delta wave and that people would be like, oh, screw it. I'm not going to take any safety measures. Uh, but, you know, he doesn't do that because in July of 2021, he didn't know that that was going to be the case. The science is evolving. Science isn't a hard and fast rule that applies in perpetuity. It is constantly changing with new information. And uh, you That's know, another idea Americans are having a hard time wrapping their heads around. Yeah, well, this is part of the problem because it's so, the, the COVID crisis, this pandemic is so nuanced with so many prongs to it, so many different areas that uh, people tend to not consider. Uh, for example, we were talking about this before the show, Buzz. We were talking about how well people focus too much on whether they personally will get sick without remembering, well, you know what? Even if I get a mild version of this, even if I'm asymptomatic, what if I give it to someone who is more vulnerable and they mm -hmm. end up in the hospital or they end up dying from it? I mean, how can you live with yourself if you don't take that in, into consideration with your lifestyle choices. And so that's one of the things, that's one of the nuances that, that uh, seldom get cons considered by some of these shirkers, right, or if right. at all. Um, yes, okay, he was <laughs> talking about this thing where we see a lot of Democrats in photo ops, including Stacey Abrams, including mm -hmm. Gavin Newsom, in photo ops. I think Magic Johnson, there was a photo of him without a mask on. And uh, yeah. Some people take their masks off briefly for photographs. I know I've Speaking. done it. Yeah. Um, but what Bill Maher was suggesting is that uh, spending, say, 20% of the time unmasked is stupid and hypocritical. So instead, let's just go with 100% of the time maskless because that'll be better somehow. It's just, again, it, it all falls apart. And it's amazing to me when he says something like that and the audience goes, woo! Yeah. Yeah! Go, Bill! Like, think this through. We're grown-ups. <laughs> more people listening to him than to us, sadly. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, look, these are all things that uh, I want to discuss with Michael Hiltzik to, on the show tomorrow. Good. Uh, and we're going to cover everything in his piece and some of these other aspects. And, and just get a read on 
um, why this is happening in the first place. What level of delusion is this? And the thing that the thing that gets me is this notion, and and maybe this speaks to my insecurity. I don't know what it says about me, but I feel like is there something I'm missing? Is there some angle about this debate over? just reopening and pretending COVID doesn't exist. Is there some aspect to it that I just don't get, that I'm being thick about, and that I don't understand? And I don't think there is. I mean, I understand that things could go suddenly very, very well. Maybe the Omicron spike has created herd immunity combined with uh, the vaccination rate. Maybe that's going to save us, and we won't have to worry about any of this. Yeah, I I get it that we're sick of doing all of these things. I get it that we're sick of COVID, but that's no excuse. So is is there some angle on this that I'm just not seeing? The the other thing I wanted to add, Buzz, before we continue, Uh is uh, whenever I tweet about this, I get people in the comments, uh, usually trolls, and it's amazing the number of you know, trolls with two followers or zero followers who turn up. So I, I wonder if there's a lot of foreign interference and disinformation, you know, oh, bombarding sure. social media. And one of the things I'm constantly hearing is, oh, you're such a, throw out the P, oh, you're such a P word. Oh, you're such a C word. Why don't you just go outside, Bob? I say, you know what? <laughs> I, I have to say, I'm about 80% back to normal. I go out and bike ride. I go to the gym four days a week. I do things that are within the boundary of what, you know, Kimberly and I agree to as far as our household protocol goes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not a shut-in still in that uh, uh, kind of bunker mentality that we all went through back in April of 2020. That ended after the vaccines came around and things started to merge back into in a teeny tiny bit of normalcy. I'm not in a cave, you know, on a, inside an oxygen tent preventing myself. I don't walk around in a hazmat suit. That's not what's going on. The other thing is, every time I talk about this, I get the reaction that, uh, oh, Bob, I think you're losing your mind. <laughs> I think you're... You're really hysterical, Bob. I don't know what the what your problem is, but maybe you just need to calm down. So you, what, you speak well. You speak very emphatically, and I think yeah. some people interpret that as as ranting. <laughs> well, but, I but know. yeah, but ranting is what I do for a living. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a fact. Well, here, here's here's how I'd respond to yeah. everything you just said, uh, and again, kind of summing up my view on this. Uh, we we really don't know what's going to happen next, and and the reason I conclude that is because I am now hearing credible scientists disagreeing with credible scientists on whether we should try to move forward or not. Yeah. And I don't know which ones are right. They both sound credible to me. Mm-hmm. And this isn't some, you know, nut job on the side. These are these are credible scientists in both cases. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue to be safe. I'm going to continue to speak the truth as I see it and uh, see what happens. I, I, yeah. I don't know what else we can do. We are uh, terribly overwhelmed in terms of public sentiment on on where we are in this thing. So uh, I'm going to, I, st- I go to stores on occasion. Yeah. I, I stay home, not because I'm afraid.
afraid, but because I like it here better. Yes, thank you. That's uh, what I do. You know, uh, I, I love my home. I, yeah. I very rarely need to go out, but I went clothing shopping last week, and and uh, yeah, everything was distanced. I had it on my N95 mask. Uh, you know, I I feel okay. I've, I've triple vaxxed, yeah. so you know, I think I think I can have that level of normalcy, uh, and and so I do that. I don't do it a lot, but. Uh, you know, I'm not afraid to go out. I do, but uh, you know, it's uh, I I like it better here at home. So I'm okay yeah. with continuing to hunker down. And those of us who can uh, should do just that: continue to be safe, continue to speak your truth, mm-hmm. and uh, wait and see which credible scientists are correct. And well, the other thing I wanted to add here too is that I also understand that COVID is here to stay. I mean, yeah. first of all. F you shirkers. That's <laughs> like rock and roll. Yeah, exactly. COVID is here to stay. Right. And <laughs> I do know that at this point, the idea of getting rid of COVID, which was the hope initially Originally, when this all started. Happened. Yeah, right. it could it could have easily happened if it wasn't for mm-hmm. goddamn Donald Trump. We, we mm-hmm. would have been here. And Trump is right. a big aspect of all of this. He's a big yep. uh, so. driver of why we're still in this uh, coming up on uh, two years now. And so... I know that we're going to be dealing with COVID, but I I think if all goes well, I mean, the idea here is for it to recede into the cacophony of things that make us sick on a regular basis, rather than being this ongoing pandemic-level threat. That's the hope. But my problem is that reopening now, pretending that it's gone, never having any more uh, mask mandates or vaccine mandates or anything along those lines— that is not going to recede into the cacophony of things that make us sick. But there's still a potential for if there are no protocols, if we have no controls whatsoever for this thing, that it could get far, far worse, where the Omicron spike looks like the the spike from winter of 2020. That's my real concern with all of this, that by eliminating all protocols, pretending it's gone prematurely, which is what the trend seems to be, that it's never going to end and we're never going to be back to that place or we're never going to be at a place where it's here to stay but it's in the background it's oh. it's going to be front of mind you know i don't want that to happen and again as i've been saying all along i hope i'm terribly 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 wrong yeah yeah. Uh, we don't we don't know. It certainly could go the way you've just described or, or it might not. We yeah. I just I think at this juncture we don't know and I think not knowing is a lot of the cause of your anxiety, my anxiety and the anxieties of a lot of people listening to us. Yeah. Okay. So let's uh let's move on talk about uh <laughs> <laughs> something Don- more fun. Yeah, obviously. Fun. So uh, Donald Trump stole official White House (laughs) records and and brought them to Mar-a-Lago. Some of those things were kind of, uh, I don't know, ceremonial, like the the letter that Barack Obama left for Donald Trump in the Resolute Desk. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, He got that. That should be. That was one. That no, that belongs to the people. The that people does belong to the people. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I think the some of the love letters between Trump and Kim Jong Un were were kept by Donald Trump. But who knows? What fifteen boxes was it, Buzz? He right, took fifteen the, the, boxes to Mar-a-Lago. Uh, that, that's how many boxes they've retrieved. Uh, the, the National Archives has retrieved from Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. Uh, Trump uh, people are, uh, we use the term people loosely, <laughs> but Trump people say they're still looking for more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there may be more. Uh, he also took that 
that weather map that he drew on with the Sharpie, that was one memento. That he wow. Oh, my and God. And that needs, that needs to go in the history books. <laughs> the Kim Jong-un love letters need to, to be uh, in the possession of the people. Uh, and the president, who needs to know what the previous president did, uh, the current president, whoever it might be, and in this case it's Joe Biden, uh, needs to know where we are with North Korea. Mm-hmm. And uh, those letters help fill in some of the recent history. So yeah. it's uh, uh, it hurts. It's national security for Trump to have taken that stuff with him. I understand he also took some furniture, which has uh, uh, raised some eyebrows on, on the oh, Internet, uh, which is unfortunate because the Clintons also took some furniture when they left. But uh, and, and the New York Times made a big deal out of it for like a month and a half. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but uh, they were it was they returned it. I think they assumed it was theirs and, and didn't realize it was a gift to the park service. Uh, so they, they did have to give back $28,000 worth of So I see a liberal a posting today, who steals furniture? I'm not going to be the one to answer the Clintons. I'm not going to say, oh, well, the Clintons, you know, I'm not. But but he's he's wrong. Uh, it's, it's happened before. Uh, the difference is, in this case, uh, that nothing the Clintons took with them endangered national security. Nothing they took with them belonged in the National Archives. Uh, it was furniture that uh, they, they thought was theirs. Yeah, I, the other story that I've heard is uh, Sandy Berger, who was Clinton's national security advisor, took some documents, I think four classified documents, just four, and was fined $50,000. He was given two years of probation and 100 hours of community service for removing four classified documents from the National Archives. And so uh, I don't know if that was one of the Clinton things, but uh, I, I do know, I, I am aware of that one. This is the, uh, this is the law uh, coming to us from uh, Michael Beschloss. Under Title 18, Section 2071 of the U.S. Code, anyone found guilty of willfully and unlawfully concealing, removing, mutilating, obliterating, destroying, or attempting to do any such action against a record can be fined and imprisoned for up to three years. In addition to fines and possible imprisonment, anyone holding federal office who is convicted of this crime can lose his or her position and be disqualified from holding federal office in the future. That last part, I'm underscoring that several times, can be disqualified from holding federal office in the future. That's Yeah, and I, I yeah. hope that gets followed up, but as I understand it, there's no enforcement mechanism for uh, removing documents from the White House. There's, it's illegal, but... N- I don't think anybody, uh, other than the case you mentioned, I don't think many people have been pursued for it. I, I love Michael Besch, a presidential historian, yeah. Michael Beschloss. He had, a, I love to follow him. He had a tweet yesterday that was just two words. 15 boxes. <laughs> uh, I'm my patience with Merrick Garland is starting to wear a little oh, yeah. thin. Oh, I yeah. I think really. we we are all in that same boat uh, regarding uh, Garland and you know what as part of the equation we have to talk about the US attorney in DC as well because really that's at the front lines of prosecution here when it comes to uh, Donald Trump and the insurrection. Uh, but yeah, Do- Donald Trump is a thief. It's shocking that oh, we sure. Are now sure. discovering <laughs> most, he's always yeah, been soci- a thief. Most sociopaths uh, do that freely; they have no no problem, no guilt with that. And yeah. uh, you know, and and Donald Trump is a sociopath who always believes he'll get away with everything, and generally he's been right. Yeah, uh, we we hope to not let that come to pass this time. Mm-hmm. Anyone found guilty of willfully and unlawfully <laughs> concealing, removing, mutilating, obliterating, destroying, or uh-huh. attempting does that include eating? Does that include yes. eating documents? Mm-hmm. 
that. <laughs> and and the other thing people, uh, progressives need to know, just so you're well-informed and well-educated on the subject, right. is burn bags are a thing in, in any White House. Yeah. And yeah. there are two kinds of them, one with a red stripe and one without. And mm-hmm. One with the red stripe uh, generally indicates there's top-secret national security information in there and that that is to be burned. And there is a case for burning certain documents, mm-hmm. uh, certain things that, that uh, you know, apparently that, that, that need to be erased for national security reasons. Yeah. Uh, but, but you know Trump, if he was tearing <laughs> things up and, and stuffing things in his pocket, then uh, clearly some things went into those burn bags that shouldn't have. Just know the burn bags are a real thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, this is something he's uh, he's made a practice of. We're very well aware of what he does with documents, like to, to, to crumble them up, throw them away, right. tear them up, eat them, as the case may be. Uh, and to me, that, that all shows consciousness of guilt. It all shows. Yeah. Uh, I understand intention. he he would tear things into quarters. He would tear a, a piece of paper twice, uh, unless he was pissed, and then he would tear it into a million itty bitty pieces. <laughs> What a what a fucking baby! And according to Omarosa, he did in fact eat uh, some at least one document in her presence. Um, yeah, that's so. amazing. That's a, sorry, I'm off. Uh, it's it's, it's just true. incredible. It's just oh, what, what's the president doing? Oh, don't worry, he's eating documents. <laughs> It's <laughs> funny as hell to me. All right, well, here's something that uh, we covered a little bit on the after party on Friday, uh, and since that's behind the Patreon paywall, we figure we might as well talk about this again, and obviously we're okay. talking about the January jobs numbers. The, uh, uh. the jobs report for January was astounding. The U.S. economy added 467,000 jobs in January, even as the Omicron variant spiked to record heights with the labor market performing better than many expected two years after the pandemic began and the december numbers were significantly revised upward here's what i wrote in uh-huh. the banter on january 13 the december jobs number 199,000 will very likely be revised upward perhaps doubling it when the january jobs report drops next month this happened throughout the summer while much of the dc news media yep. missed it then too only to print a too little too late piece about the revisions after the november election and we wonder why people think the economy is poor, despite it being far from that. Turns out I was wrong. The upward revision for December didn't perhaps double it. The revision upward doubled the December number, plus an additional 100,000 jobs on top of that. So the U.S. economy added 510,000 jobs in December, not the 199,000 as it reported last yeah. month. President Biden's created more jobs in his first year than any other president. Yep. He's pushed through a bipartisan infrastructure bill to repair our crumbling roads, bridges, and more. His poll numbers are down. Only because the media told you they should be. Yep. 6.6 million jobs created in 2021 alone. Yep. And people are going, why why does the economy suck? Joe Biden's numbers on the economy are dismal right now, if you believe the polls. And so the problem here, the reason that's happening, is because of this dynamic where, oh my God, the numbers from December suck. 199,000, that's terrible. Without any mention whatsoever of don't worry in a month those will be revised upward everything and this deception yeah. this deception comes at a time that uh, people uh, democrats included are paying more for gas and and mm-hmm. other things and and having trouble finding certain items now for various reasons yeah yeah well here's some of the headlines i collected back in january when that 199,000 number was reported for december nbc news said the economy gained just 199,000 jobs in december far below expectations was the headline uh, right. cnn wrote 
Jobs disappoint in December, but employment falls to 3.9%. So they get half credit for at least talking about the, the descending unemployment numbers, CNN. Uh, the Daily Beast headline, December jobs report shows dismal new hiring. And finally, NPR, <laughs> of all people, of all uh, outlets, NPR writes, employers add just 199,000 workers in a slow December. And nowhere in any of these four articles with these ridiculous headlines, uh, which each express some form of opinion instead of straight news, none of these articles mention, hey, don't worry, these numbers are going to be revised upward because they have been throughout the year. You know, I think this has always been the case. I don't know if it's ever been this far off. And I wonder, is there late reporting? Are red states dragging their feet on reporting numbers? What's happening here to cause these revisions that we find out about later, only we really don't find out about them because the media only reports the initial reports? Yeah, yeah. Well, this is not anything that's uh, new. It's not a, a, a new feature of the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. It's it's no. It's something that's been happening every single month. It happened throughout the summer. I mean, we've been through this just about every month. I just I want some of these articles to say there are upward revisions every month. Don't worry. When when the numbers are revised, it's going to be much higher than it is right now. Right. Well, that yeah. doesn't get out, and it's annoying. It almost it almost takes the the importance of reporting the initial numbers away. Why why are we even reporting those initial numbers yeah. since they aren't anywhere near reality? Yeah. Uh, like I said, uh, there's always been a discrepancy because of late reporting and that kind of thing. I've never seen them this far off before. Yeah. Yeah. So at some point in the recent past. Uh, the Republican Party just decided, hey, you know what? Instead of fighting racism, let's just embrace our racist base. Let's just That's bring them got. into the fold and, and pander to them and make sure that we've got their support and their energy going to, into every single election. Don't, and the word happens to be, they're not saying this outright, but the message is, don't worry about it. We've got your back, racists. We're your guys. You, you want a, a government the way you have always wanted a government? Vote for us, Republicans, because we're your racist leadership here in Washington. So poor, poor Rocky Mountain Mike. We got to check in with him because he was reporting uh, over the last couple of days that his county commission was about to vote. I think the vote was to be held last night. Yeah, uh, on whether to make their county a confederacy, a confederacy sanctuary. <laughs> this is what the his county commission was voting to make their county a confederacy, a confederate sanctuary. And what does that mean? Uh, what, well, I, I don't even know I, what that means. Because it means your hate and your flags are welcome here, uh, is what it says. Come If you want to be a racist, come here, is what it says. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I'd be interested to know how that turned out. My impression was it would probably pass. If you love America, come join us here in this confederate sanctuary where we're all in favor of abandoning america because we love it, it so much it, it says black people don't move here is what it says yeah, <laughs> yeah. well and on top of everything else we've got this uh, supreme court decision uh mainly the conservatives yeah. or exclusively the conservatives in a five to four decision they have decided to uh at least for the time being which probably is going to become permanent with the final decision, but they're going to keep this racist Alabama district map in place that disenfranchises yeah. black people. And, and don't uh, be too fond of John Roberts for taking the losing side on this because he voted against the Voting Rights Act uh, yeah. when that case came before the yep. Supreme Court. 
Well, the Supreme Court on Monday reinstated an Alabama congressional map that a lower court had said diluted the power of black voters. And by the way, the Supreme Court doesn't often overrule the appellate level courts. Right. That, that doesn't happen a whole lot. But it happened here. And I, again, I just wonder if there's some sort of uh, backdoor handshake going on. Like, Yeah, it's well, almost we, like there's a secret club of white people. <laughs> yeah, or that people like Brett Kavanaugh, Neil Gorsuch, and Amy Coney Barrett got confirmed because they may have pledged to Republicans that they'll protect the gerrymandering. Look, I, it's a little bit of conspiratorial talk there, but who knows? we got to ask these questions. Yep. Um, the brief order, which included no reasoning was provisional, saying a lower court's decision while the case moves forward, or stays the lower court's decision while the case moves forward. The justices- it, was a shadow, it was a shadow docket item. Yes. And that's a good slogan for the, the Supreme Court, uh, the, the court with no reasoning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess the lower court's decision, staying a lower court's decision, would have been the district-level court, even though the appeals court said no, the Supreme Court's going with the district-level decision on this, right. circumventing the appeals court. And so here the justices said they would hear Alabama's appeal of the lower court's ruling, but they did not say when. Right. So not holding my breath for this to happen anytime before. We're, we're hearing we're, he we're hearing that it's too close to the election thing again. Oh, see, yes. there it is. Yeah. There that's, it is. Thank you, Mitch that's McConnell. The, that's it. Yeah. That, well, Brett Kavanaugh. That's that's his thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, and it's also um, uh, the McConnell rule now. Right. We, we don't right. make these big choices about <laughs> important things in an election year. Somehow. Unless it's us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Especially when it comes to the Supreme Court. So, uh, meantime, the good news on the upside, and I don't know what this decision will end up meaning for some of these other uh, gerrymandering cases, like the one in North Carolina, where right. a North Carolina court struck down the yes. Republicans' gerrymandering map. It's doomed. Yeah. This is the motivation. To, uh, this is yeah. the reason we all need to vote this November to increase the Democratic majority so we can pass voter rights laws that will stop this kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, that's all we can do. And uh, we must do it. And bear in mind, too, that a lot of the talk that uh, Trump and some of the people in the uh, Red Hat Entertainment Complex are doing, what they're doing is talking a lot about how the elections are corrupt in support right. of this, in support of the insurrection, in support of the big lie, in support of Donald Trump. Well, what that's going to do is that's going to depress Republican turnout. So my, we hope. <laughs> my, my semi-morbid question is, if... Donald Trump uh, successfully depresses Republican turnout if all of these Republicans who are dying from not getting vaccinated uh, will reduce Republican numbers. And yeah. if striking down some of these Republican uh, redistricting, some of these gerrymandered uh, states, if that gets struck down or continues to be struck down, uh, then we may be on somewhat of a level playing field. <laughs> it's not right. quite level, but it's, it's more level than it was maybe before. And so uh, these are all factors that, that contribute to me saying, all we got to do is turn out. We just got to get out the vote. Mm -hmm. And that's the main thing. There's no great formula for this. It's about us out-hustling and outnumbering the Republicans. It's straightforward. It's simple. We know what we have to do. This is all about just getting out the vote. Go TV. And if we can do that, we can defy history by preserving our majority in the House and gaining our majority in the United States Senate. And we need to ourselves and to urge others to vote all the way down the ballot. Vote all the way blue in 22. 
Absolutely. Okay, so coming up on the Shadow Docket, we're going to be talking about uh, lots of things here. We're going to talk about how Trump gave uh, Mark Meadows' nonprofit group $1 million after the uh, 1-6 committee was formed. I seem to think we talked about this. I, I don't remember talking about it, so I'm just going to mention it again. I think that's uh, on the fine. Shadow Docket, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I forget these things. Uh, because it's the Shadow Docket, we're also going to overturn a district court ruling. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, also, I want to talk about uh, something that, that Delta Airlines is considering. Oh, yeah. um, as a possibility here, that they must they must implement this. In fact, all airlines <laughs> should implement what yes. Delta Airlines is looking Agreed. at. We'll talk about that, plus uh, Trump's rally remarks and how it's going to make it easier to prosecute him. Plus, uh, oh, my, one of my favorite uh, stories of the week so far, uh, Trump's stock took another hit yesterday. Oh, that's yeah. too bad. Yeah, such a shame, isn't it? So sad, so sad. And Facebook lost another 5%. What is this world coming to? <laughs> I know. Um, All right. So, and I think there's also uh, some news coming to us from Reuters. The headline is exclusive FBI probes pre-Capitol riot meeting of far-right groups. Excellent. So another dimension to the uh, insurrection. We're going to get to all that on the Shadow Docket. That happens on our Patreon page, bobseskashow.com. Just sign up for $5 a month. And uh, I'm not sure what's going on. I think some people have been missing the uh, email alerts from Patreon. If you're not getting the email alerts, check your spam folder. I'm talking specifically to our Patreon subscribers. Check your spam folder. Check your other, if you're using Gmail, check some of your other tabs. I think it's getting shuffled. I think the, the Patreon emails are getting shuffled into some other location on your email inbox. So, if you're not hearing us, let us know. Yeah, and the key, if you're not seeing, <laughs> yeah, right. If you're, if you're not seeing the email, if you don't know whether you're getting the Shadow Docket, even though you're signed up for the Shadow Docket, go to bobseskashow.com, scroll down the main page. All of the episodes on our Patreon page are all listed right there at bobseska.com. You don't need to go to a special section or anything like that. If if they're available and you're you have access. You'll see the episodes that you have access to, and you'll be able to click on them and listen to them. That's that's on the desktop version of Patreon. There's also the app, and that's a whole different story. But there are other ways to know whether or not you're getting the show on schedule. So, and uh, feel free to DM me on Patreon if you're if you're having trouble. I'll, I'll help you out as quickly as I can. All right, that's it. We'll see you on the uh, Shadow Docket. Take care, folks. Bye bye. Bye bye. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.